G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Our conversation today about freedom in the way we define it here in Australia. Our special guest today says we tend to think of freedom as freedom from anything that stops us doing what we want. He calls this a foundation for Western fundamentalism. There's no doubt we live in a rapidly changing Australia. Our way of seeing the world is changing too. So our conversation today about the way we see the world and the dangers of getting it wrong. Now we might ask what happens when we exchange evil for what we once called good. And if people become evil, how does that affect every dimension of the world we live in. So our conversation today is about freedoms and the way Aussies think about freedom. Our special guest today says we think our democracy means safety and freedom from tyranny, but what happens if we all fall into some form of mass delusion? Dr. Gordon Menzies is back with us today with his thoughts on true freedom. He is an Associate Professor in Economics at the University of Technology in Sydney with an international research reputation and a PhD from Oxford University. He's also a former economist at the Reserve Bank of Australia. His book is called Western Fundamentalism, Democracy, Sex and the Liberation of Man, and has been shortlisted for the 2021 Australian Christian Book of the Year Award. Now, that award coming up on the 2nd of September. So, wonderful to be able to welcome back to 2020, uh, Dr. Gordon Menzies. Welcome back, Gordon. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be here. Gordon, we talk a fair bit about freedom on this program, and, of course, there's big issues right now that are bubbling along insofar as uh, religious discrimination, the sorts of freedoms that are being lost or that are evaporating right now. And there's all sorts of other freedoms that are a part of that corral. So all of a sudden we come to a book like yours and it's about freedom, but you talk as though freedom can be bad sometimes. How do you explain that? Um, Yes, thanks, Neil. I think that um, in my book I make a distinction between what I call freedom from and freedom for. So freedom from is about being freed from something that ties you up or limits you. So that could be um, an addiction or financial difficulty. But freedom for is what you do once you have your freedom. So freedom for is about how you might use your freedom once you escape a limitation. So let's talk about, for example, financial difficulty. If, uh, say, a woman has an overdrawn credit card, so she's in difficulty, it limits her doing all sorts of things, that, to, the freedom from it would be paying it off so that she can make a fresh start. But then it's a question of what she uses her freedom for once she is uh, rid of that financial difficulty. She could use it 
uh, to love and bless others, which we as Christians would think would be a good thing, or she could use it in a more selfish way. So just because you escape limitations and then you're freed to have uh, a lot of different actions that you can do, it's not necessarily true that you'll use your freedom well. So if we're really, you know, taking a broad cross-section of freedoms here, I mean, you've got the biblical-type freedoms that we talk about. Uh, You've got this freedom from and freedom for that you're talking about, and then there are all these other freedoms that we often talk about, uh, freedom of thought, freedom of religion, Uh, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, freedom to have uh, political thought. I mean, these sorts of things are really big, big issues. But in the example you're giving here, Gordon, it sounds like you're talking about individuals and how we, as ordinary Aussies, think about the freedoms that we're, in some sense here, uh, grappling to define. Yes, yes, I think that's right. I think that's right. So in the case of a society, um, let's talk about Australia for a second. Um, There's no doubt that Australians, compared to a generation ago, are far better off materially, health-wise, if we just put COVID to the side for a second, and education-wise. And so we are in a very privileged position of having lots of freedoms, but that doesn't automatically mean that we'll use the freedoms well. And, and yes, you're right, these ideas uh, go right back to the Bible. Uh, Galatians, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So you get that idea there of being freed from something and then freed for something. Well, the problem is, in a society where um, many people have forgotten God, just because you have freedoms and powers, it doesn't mean you'll use them well. I mentioned in the introduction, Gordon, that you studied at Oxford University. Now, it is one of the premier universities in the whole world. But your thinking about these freedoms and the way we define freedoms goes back to your experience at Oxford University and and an exchange with one of your lecturers. Take us back to what it was that shaped you in this way that you understood that, hang on a second, not everybody thinks about freedom the way they ought to be. Yeah, so um, I went to Oxford over 1998 to 2001, so it's a while ago, uh, but I think the same situation would still be there today. I decided when I went to Oxford that I'd like to try my hand at debating. Now, there's a famous uh, debating club in Oxford called the Oxford Union, And so I went along and I listened to a lot of the debates. And although the people were very, very clever, I came to the conclusion that some of the debates were really um, poor. So, for example, you could win a debate about something being right or wrong by just appealing to a law that had been passed in the UK a few years earlier. And it seemed to me that passing a law wasn't the same as a reasoned argument. Just because a law changes, it doesn't change what's right and wrong. So I went and spoke to one of the leaders about how superficial the debates seemed to be. And he said to me, Gordon, you must understand that everybody who comes to this university, that's to say Oxford, uncritically believes in three things, free markets, democracy and sexual freedom. Now, two things came out of that for me. The first was the title of the book, uh, which is Western Fundamentalism. 
I define a Western fundamentalism as somebody who uncritically accepts free markets, democracy and sexual freedom. That was the first thing that I got from his comment. But the second thing that I got from his comment is that all of those things are really about freedom. Free markets, democracy and sexual freedom. Free markets frees us from regulations on how we trade or who we trade with. Democracy frees us from dictators. And sexual freedom, understood in the sort of contemporary way, uh, frees us to have sex with anyone at all, providing it's consensual, regardless of any pre-existing commitments we might have. So these three kinds of freedoms have got their good side, but they've also got their bad side as well. Do you think, Gordon, that those sentiments uh, that you experienced there in Oxford, uh, that those are present in universities all around the world? It's not just Oxford that sort of thinks that that's a, a definition of what Western freedom might be, that those sorts of sentiments also would no doubt be permeating throughout universities here in Australia. Oh, that's a great question, Neil. I mean, I can only speak to my experience and maybe some of your callers have got some ideas whether those freedoms are widespread, are believed to be uh, essential in, across the broad spectrum of the community or, or um, um, you know, with individuals. Certainly, um, as a Christian, I would uh, reject the idea of sexual freedom that I just described to you. Um, and so many Christians would not hold to all of these. But I do think that in my experience of universities, Many, many people are in favour of free markets, democracy and sexual freedom as I've described it. And isn't it amazing that while those sorts of things permeate our thinking, the reason why we think the way we do about freedom is because we're shaped by the environment that we've grown up in. And that's the same for every one of us. And that's the same whether you are a Christian or not a Christian. But I guess when you are a Christian, you've got an extra dimension there because you can appreciate what God might say about freedom. But there's a certain mm. sense here we're all shaped, aren't we, by this by this, uh, well, as what you call it, uh, Western fundamentalism. We're all, in some ways, Western fundamentalists. Yes, that's right. I think that um, the great thing about being a Christian is that you can listen to God and you have, as it were, an outside anchor to, um, to stabilise your life, to, to lead a loving life. And... Um, and that's a really wonderful thing. Uh, but yes, we are all affected by our experiences. I think that's one of the reasons why if you can manage to have respectful conversation with others, it, it really helps because we have different experiences and we can, we can learn from each other as we talk to people with, with very different backgrounds. The idea that you might be free from the anchor that God gives. And, uh, you know, when we talk about a Christian morality, we can trace that back into the Scriptures, say the Ten Commandments, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's wonderful things and fairly simple. It's not rocket science to work out what those anchors are that God has uh, given to us for the flourishing of humanity. But there is a sense here that when you talk about those sorts of freedoms that we might say... Western fundamentalism, this Western freedom mentality that's actually that for, for most people or for many people, that's like a freedom from the anchor that God has given to us. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, there's a, I guess that's a kind of rebellion when you say that um, I want to shape 
my life uh, exactly the way that I want to do things. Um, I want to ignore the pattern for human flourishing that God's given us. So that, to go back to your original question, that's a, a very good example of bad freedom when you do precisely what you're saying, Neil. It might feel like bad freedom, but there's a certain sense, isn't there, as a Christian believer, and I guess this sort of matures with you over years, that you start to recognise that the limitations God creates or presents to us are actually for our good, and that if you actually leave those, if you leave the anchor and you're off floating around doing what you want, uh, you actually may have a different destiny than what you would have if you had held to the original plan. Yes, yes, I think that's a great point, Neil. I think that, um, you know, it's very significant that the way Western pe- the way many Western people now think, or secular Western people, is they think that if they're free to do whatever they like, they will inevitably do good. And this, I think, is because we have become, as a society, not talking about the church now, but as a society, we've become um, naive about evil. We just don't appreciate the power of sin and the deceptiveness of sin. So if you're cut free to do whatever you want to do, sometimes you'll do good, but sometimes you won't. And um, so I think, I think... It's very significant that Western fundamentalism has a freedom from, which is to be freed from any constraint that might stop you doing what you want, but it has no freedom for. It has no vision of what a good life looks like except doing whatever you happen to want to do. And um, we know as Christians that that's dangerous because people sometimes want to do evil. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Wonderful to have you with us on this Thursday edition of 2020 and taking calls 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. You might want to respond to today's Facebook question. As a Christian, do you think our Aussie pursuit of freedom to do what we want is enhancing or destroying our children's future? You'll find that question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Dr. Gordon Menzies is our guest. He is uh, the author of a book called Western Fundamentalism, Democracy, Sex and the Liberation of Man. Let's take a call. Uh, Gordon, let's hear from Steve in Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Steve. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Look, I um, first thing on freedom, I'm just a bit concerned that our politicians are taking the uh, word freedom in the wrong context. Perhaps they're taking it out of the song Me and Bobby McGee where it says Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that probably sit in that category. Um, Can I just touch on the morality thing? Um, You guys are probably too young to remember the early 70s or weren't born then. I don't know. But um, there was a television (laughs) show called Number number 96, and they they were the first television show in Australia to show a full frontal nudity, something which they took pride in. Well, that had the entire public in an uproar. Now that's seen all the time on television. We've descended that far. My biggest fear now is we have transgenders, transsexuals, even monkeys with 
genitalia hanging out, reading stories in public libraries to little children aged two to five. Steve, so you're making it, pretty significant comments and... Uh, you know, I think uh, probably, Gordon, you were probably around in the 1970s when number 96 was on the TVs. And I can remember it too. And I yes, think what's, uh, what's... I didn't happen to see it, but I do remember the uproar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Steve's describing what is, you know, maybe a slow watering down or a, a disintegration of morality. What are your thoughts for Steve? Yeah, thanks, Steve. I, I really appreciate the comment. Um one of the things I talk about in the book is the change in the way people um, view, I guess, sex and relationships, romantic relationships. And one point that I would make is that over the period of time since, since you described the 70s, the, the period of time that we call the sexual revolution, I do think there has been a misuse of freedom and uh, here's the dimension that I talk about in my book. Um, I think that the sexual revolution has taken sexual partners from the category of people and turned them into things. It's depersonalized um, uh, sexual partners. And the biggest example I can think of there is the extent of legalized prostitution or decriminalized prostitution and what you were alluding to, pornography. So um, these, these kinds of um, movements uh, are an example of um, taking sex outside of the God-given context of marriage and, and sort of commercialising it and turning people into things. So I, I, I appreciate your comment. I, I agree with you. There's been an enormous change since the 1970s. Um, yeah, it's very sad. Steve, does that uh, comment, uh, you know, agree in some sense with the sorts of things you're saying? Yes, it certainly does. Unfortunately, when you look at it uh, holistically, we are on a downward trajectory with, with our morality. And Jesus said, as it was in the times of Noah, so shall it be in the end. Well, I put it to everyone, perhaps it's worse than the times of Noah because in the times of Noah, they didn't celebrate Mardi Gras homosexuality. They didn't celebrate marriage equality. I think we we're a lot worse. We're probably closer to the end than we think. Well, that's so, an interesting comment too because, uh, yes, things were pretty bad in the times of Noah. But, uh, Steve, good point. Thank you so much for making your contribution today on 2020. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen. 316. Let's take another call. Peter is in Alice Springs. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Good morning. Peter, what are your thoughts? Yes, uh, very interested in um, the topic and uh, uh, just an observation, perhaps uh, uh, 20 years uh, living and, and working with the, um, the traditional uh, tribal people of Central Australia. Um, and I, during that time, I gained a real understanding of how my worldview is shaped by our culture and there's a lot of things behind that but uh, one of the big things and I think that relates to the topic at hand is about the notion of individualism versus collectivism and uh, I think um, I can't remember the guest's name I'm sorry but no, it's uh, Gordon I think that's Gordon you think that's what Gordon oh, yeah. is referring yeah hi is, is sort of tied into that western fundamentalism I sort of thought that as well at times that I could see that um when we think about what's happening in 
uh, with our relationship with the, uh, the Indigenous people, it's often defined as lack of opportunity, but uh, people that work and live with the tribal people for long periods of time realise that actually it's more about a fundamental clash between the individualism of Western culture and the collectivism of uh, small-scale societies and tribal societies um, that cause uh, the fundamental difference in the way we view the world, our worldview. Peter, great thought, and we're only less than a minute out from news. So if you've got a very quick comment here, Gordon, uh, we might be able to come back and touch on this after news, but a very quick comment. Uh, The quick comment is that uh, we've been fueled into thinking individualistically by my own discipline, economics, and the, the power of economics to, to frame society. So I agree with you. I think that's a huge difference uh, between us and traditional societies. Gordon, just let me ask you, uh, because you're an economist, and uh, there is a certain sense in which just before the news you uh, sort of were commenting in an economic way, uh, the way that things that are changing now are affecting the relationships we have with other people. How do you see that as an economist? Thanks, Neil. Um, yeah, what I would say is that economics is a, a marvellous tool for making life better when it applies to the right area. But it can apply to the wrong areas too. So... Um, When we start to think about our relationships with other people, the way we might think um, when we're trading in markets, then things can go terribly wrong. Um, So let let me uh, say a little bit about that. Um, When we go to a market like eBay or the supermarket, we generally trade things that I call commodities. Now, what's a commodity? It's a thing. It has no feelings. It has no claim on my loyalty or my relational proximity. So my computer is a thing. I can sell it to you. It's a thing. It has no feelings. It has no claim on my loyalty. If I decide that it's worth my while to sell it to you, I can, and nobody sheds a tear about that. In contrast, my children are not commodities. They're not things they have feelings, and they do have a claim on my loyalty. I can't sell my children to you. Um, It's not legal. It's not moral um, because there's a difference about my relationship with my children than there is to my relationship with my computer. Now, here's the point, Neil. What I think has happened in society over the last 40 years or so is economic thinking, the kind that I teach at university and my colleagues teach, has seeped into the wrong areas, I think there's a danger of treating people as things, as being more... Treating people and relationships as more dispensable than they ought to be. And I think this is a feature of the sexual revolution too. I think that there is a tendency to treat people as things rather than as people. And you see that particularly in pornography and prostitution. And if we don't moderate our own personal freedoms, that's the outcome. We have a tendency to treat others as commodities or things rather than the valuable personalities that they are. Uh, We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take some more calls. Steve is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hi, Steve. Welcome. 
Hi, Steve. Yes, thank you, gentlemen, and thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. Um, I have a two-pronged approach. Firstly, I've been on the cold face of human behaviour for my entire life and the consequences of it, and um, also I'm a bit of a student of history, and history does repeat itself. Um, what we see is prosperity, and after that comes comfort, complacency, a little bit of decadence, then decay, then anarchy, then then revolution, reform, and back to prosperity. And I personally believe, based on the other aspect of what I've done, is um, that we're somewhere between apathy and anarchy at the moment. Um, I have a little saying which uh, I use in personal training that I do. You're only as strong as what you're willing to tolerate. And it's true of yourself and it's true of what you expect of others. And boy, have we tolerated plenty. Um, and I think it's been fast-forwarded by information technology and and... I, I'm, I'm reminded of what Aldous Huxley wrote about. He said, the way to totalitarianism is to give people the ability to be self-indulgent because they'll sacrifice consequences for momentary pleasure. And then when you think of what Orwell said, he said, scare people and they'll forsake their freedom for safety. And when you look at what's happening in the world, both are correct. Steve, you're very articulate, and there's some very, very good points you're making there. Let's get a thought or two, and uh, uh, let's get a, a thought from uh, from Gordon. Gordon, what are your thoughts for Steve? Um, yeah, I, I, it sounds as though you have had a lot of interesting experiences in life and, and, and seen, seen a lot. Um, yes, I think that things tend to go in cycles, and, uh, and you see that in, speaking as a Christian, you see that in the biblical record that, um, if people depart from God's standards uh, long enough, eventually there are consequences for that, as it describes in Romans 1. And then um, by God's grace, there is sometimes repentance. Um, as, um, as Paul says, uh, God has penned everybody up in the prison of disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. And so uh, that's my hope that um, what we're seeing, uh, some of the negative things we're seeing in society now might ultimately, um, by the grace of God, lead to repentance and some restoration. Steve, thank you so much for your call. We're taking calls and we'll get through as many as we can here. Let's take another call. Wendy is in Casino in New South Wales. Hello, Wendy. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. How are you going? Very well, Wendy. What are your thoughts? Good. I'm really enjoying the conversation. There's lots I could say, but because I'm a poet, I thought I'd send a poem that I wrote some time ago about the days when I moved from my hippie era to a Christian era and how it changed my life. When I, I just thought oh, it was appropriate for the topic. Uh, how <laughs> long is your poem? Can you, can you read it for us now? Oh, is it's a short poem. Is, no, it's yes. a short poem, yes. It's, it's called Remembering Trees and Stars. Let's go down to the forest we sang so long ago. We thought the trees were godlike, so much we did not know. Then we looked down to the stars and saw them as our guide. We learnt which sign was ours and wore it with such pride. We spurned the way of living that God had handed down. The rules that he had made had caused us all to frown. Thou shalt not this and shalt not that was how we viewed his word. And all the rules he'd made for us seemed patently absurd. We wanted to live our lives with freedom. As our goal, but living unrestrained this way began to take its toll. Marriages began to break and families lost their way. Mums and dads now lived apart and kids began to stray. 
No one knew where they belonged. They wandered here and there, thinking that their luck was out as life seemed so unfair. Alcohol and drugs became the way so many coped, and pain and stress became the norm of life with little hope. There is a way things right to man, but in the end it fails, as life without God's boundaries is like a train without its rails. Wendy. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> there is a true beauty in that and a reflection on moving from being a hippie to what happens when your life is transformed as a Christian. Let's get a thought or two here. And uh, Gordon, your thoughts for Wendy. Oh, I really enjoyed the poem. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I grew up in the 70s as a teenager and um, um, I actually. Um, feel the force of the counterculture i you know was was rocked by it and tempted by it in many many ways and recently i went to a um environmental um a blockade of a forest a number of years ago i just landed up there by chance and met um, a number of hippies and there are things that i really liked about them but i think that you've nailed um that, that you can enjoy all the things that God has given us, but in the framework that he's given us, and that, that makes for a real blessing. Thank you for your poem. Uh, Wendy, just before I let you go, are you publishing your poems? Well, it's funny you should say that, because I'm just in the process of editing them all at the moment. I have got heaps of poems, and there have been about 40 or 50 of them at the moment, and I'm editing, and that was where I remembered. I thought, oh, I've got one on that very topic. <laughs> well, Wendy, let me yeah. say, let me know when you're ready to go with that, and uh, no doubt listeners would love to hear some more on uh, not only your own story, but uh, just what your poetry reflects. So, Wendy, thank you so much for your call today on 2020. Let's take another call, shall we? Adam is in Marysville in Victoria. Hi, Adam. Welcome. Hello. Adam, what are your thoughts? Um, I was just listening to it in at morning tea at work, and I just think, I think there's two Bible verses that could sum all this up, the way this, the way culture's going, and with, can, with cancel culture and um, I just think um, it goes right back to the Garden of Eden when Satan deceived Eve and he said, did God really say you you die if you ate of this particular tree? And also, I think that verse in the Bible that talks about um, people will start calling wrong right and right wrong and do what's right in their own eyes. And I just think um, this whole thing that we're seeing, and especially living in Victoria, where we seem to be getting the brunt of it, um, that's what it feels like to me anyway. Well, Adam, um, what a great insight there. Uh, Gordon, your thoughts for Adam? Yeah, I, I agree completely. And um, the other Bible verse that I'd add is Galatians uh, 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I, um, one of my favourite Christian authors, I don't know if you've read him, Adam, is a guy called John Stott. And he said the Christian idea of salvation, a, a good substitute word for it is freedom. Um, freedom from sin that Jesus offers us, 
and freedom for adoption, adoption into God's family. So, yeah, I, I uh, really appreciate your thoughts, Adam. Thank you. Adam, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, there may be time for another call. But let me come back to something along the lines of what we're uh, we're moving here. Because when we talk about uh, calling evil goods and calling good evil, well, we have something of a foundation in our Australian culture that we perhaps inherited from the British uh, perhaps also there's some inheritance there from the Americans in our uh, federation, in our constitution. But the idea that we actually inherited some good things that enabled us to flourish, Gordon. Uh, but it seems to me that as public morality challenges some of those things, the legislation seems to follow what the public morality thinks rather than the law being an educator. Any thoughts here about just the way things are changing and uh, and now we're calling evil good? Yes, I, I suppose that um, uh, the law is an important educator, but a Christian um, has to recognise that sometimes the laws are wrong. Um, our default position should always be to to respect the authorities and obey the laws of the land. But there there are times when um, the laws are just so wrong that Christians will feel in conscience they have to disagree with them and or even not obey them. Um, what you say about the the change in culture, I think it's very real. I think that um, as, as I found at the Oxford Union, um, people where people would use the laws that were passed as as a replacement for reasoned arguments, I think that's a bad idea. I think we should keep our wits about us and we should continue to use our God-given reason. We should continue to turn to God's word if we're Christians and um, respect the law, but don't mistake the law for um, straightforward truth. It can be wrong. Gordon, we'll often on this program talk about the political aspect of what faith means, uh, being salt and light in a community and uh, knowing the law of God and being able to make an assessment of what the laws are changing and being able to, uh, as a Christian believer and with a biblical foundation, be able to say whether those things are right or wrong seems to be much mm. more more and more a need for the Christian to actually take some cues from God and not necessarily believe everything that is changing in our laws. Any thoughts here? Sure. Um, we've talked a lot about freedom today, uh, Neil, and I want to emphasise that a certain amount of freedom is is a good thing. This is what God gives humanity, and God allows people to both believe, say and do wrong things up to a point. I mean, God's ordained ruling authorities to to restrain evil, so beyond a certain point they have to step in. But the point I want to emphasize is that the way God faces humanity, he allows us to have a certain amount of freedom, even freedom to do wrong things. And so I think in our society as Christians, we have to allow other people the same kind of freedom. We have to respect that, um, as we do in liberal democracies, that not everybody is going to agree with us. Not everyone's going to follow God. Um, so... That kind of freedom is a good thing. It, it sort of allows people to love freely and to choose God freely rather than under compulsion. So I wouldn't want to be understood as saying that um, I think we should step in whenever freedom is misused. I think 
freedom of expression in society is a good thing. Um, and and as Christians, I think we we have a right to um, to ask alongside everybody else that we can express our opinions without being stamped on and um, and censored. Uh, but we have to allow other people that, that right as well. But within our hearts, in the way we live, we must always give uh, first place to God, uh, even if people around us live in ways that uh, are not honouring to him and if the society makes laws that are not honouring to him, which which we are in fact seeing. We shouldn't be phased by that. You're quite right. We should stick with what God said and live how he wants us to live. Gordon, perhaps a comment from you on the question that I've asked on our Facebook post today, where I've asked, as a Christian, do you think our Aussie pursuit of freedom to do what we want is enhancing or destroying our children's future? What are your thoughts here? Because there's an element of that question that says, what about the next generation? What about the children that are being raised in our households, in our schools, in our, in our nation? What are your thoughts for that question? Hmm. Um, that's a great question, and it's it's hard to get a handle on it. I, I suppose, as a Christian, I'd say that um, it's always best for everybody that we have dealings with, whether it's people around us now or our children. Um, it's always best to follow God first, even if that's uncomfortable or unpopular. Um, yeah, I think I think there is a I think there is a I think the question of allowing people the freedom to be wrong becomes very difficult when we're talking about education and and um, you know what children are taught. Um, I haven't thought a lot about this, but um, I feel that um, I do feel that in educa- secular education system, Christians should um, ask in a democracy for the ability to put their view. In a, in a secular education system without being censored. And I fear sometimes that there is a lot of censorship that goes on along those lines against Christians. And a developing situation now where there's moves to remove even references to our Christian heritage from the national education curriculum. So uh, there's challenges there and uh, it comes down to everyone in our own local communities uh, being bold enough to be able to uh, make a stand and stand for some level of truth and uh, no doubt doing that in a respectful way but not being silent, otherwise uh, being uh, steamrolled. Uh, just quickly, just summing things up here, Gordon, uh, I guess we've established that Western fundamentalism is the thing that we're all affected by. It's like we're all in the fishbowl. We're all immersed in the waters of Western fundamentalism. We're shaped by the things that are going around us now about what we think about what is good and what we think about what is evil. But this idea of Christianity differing from that Western fundamentalism, we've touched on that, but is there a final thought you might have, Gordon, around just how our Christianity might differ from the way things are shaping us? Yeah, I've got two thoughts about that, Neil. Um, The first thought is that it's telling that Western fundamentalism um, has no compelling idea of freedom It has a compelling idea of freedom from everybody should be more and more liberated and free to do whatever they want, but it doesn't have a picture of what um, a good life is. And I think that's telling because what it says to me is that secular Western people don't understand the power of evil. They're naive about sin. 
And so they, they presume that if we are free to do whatever we want, good will always follow. My second thought is that the main cause of unfreedom in life is actually sin. And Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, but if the Son makes you free, referring to himself, you'll be really free. So I'd encourage uh, everybody, and myself included, to seek that kind of freedom um, with Jesus offers, which is freedom from sin, and then it doesn't stop there. The freedom for is freedom for adoption into God's family, to live how we're always meant to live, obediently um, and uh, in, in the way that he's designed. Gordon, I know listeners will hear in the way you talk about this issue, there's tremendous thought and tremendous wisdom in what you're saying. These sorts of things reflected in your book, and no wonder it's been shortlisted for the 2021 Australian Christian Book of the Year Award. The book is called Western Fundamentalism, Democracy, Sex and the Liberation of Man. Uh, Who have you written the book for, Gordon? Uh, You know, ordinary listeners to our conversation today, uh, does it take that sort of deeper step and engages things that people who've got, you know, sort of some higher thinking on these things will will engage with? How do you you describe your book and what people will enjoy reading? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I've tried to be a bit of a bridge builder so I am an academic um, and so a lot of the ideas that I uh, hear about and talk about are um, academic ideas but I've tried to write the book in a way that at least some bits of it will be, under- will, will be understood by uh, ordinary people. Um, I have won a few teaching awards for communicating and so um, I believe it's a gift that I've been given so I've, I've tried to use it in this book. Um, but um, uh, readers will have to be the judge of that, Neil. They will. Well, it's Dr. Gordon Menzies. His book is called Western Fundamentalism, Democracy, Sex and the Liberation of Man, and you're able to get it. uh, Simply Google it. You'll find it on Amazon or at Coorong. As I mentioned, it has been shortlisted for this year's Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards. Uh, Gordon, all the best with that, and uh, I know you'll be on the edge of your seat. Uh, 2nd of September, those awards are going to be announced, and uh, there's a number of other authors too that I'll be talking to who are on that shortlist, but uh, just wonderful to catch up once again. And there's some other dimensions uh, in your life too that I'll want to touch on and so we'll get together again sometime soon and we'll talk about some more of those but uh, Gordon Menzies thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Thanks Neil and thanks for everybody who called in I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us go to vision.org.au 